And I like the fact that Christmas is followed by a new year. We celebrate the birth of Christ, that he came, but then the new year, because it follows Christmas, the coming of Jesus, we celebrate the new beginning that he brings. And so I have a wonderful opportunity to talk to you a little bit about that. And I'm going to have to say, just as a kind of a disclaimer, that um, this uh, message has been, God's just been dealing with me and convicting me for, in my own heart, for a couple of weeks. So if I I come across today as a little, uh, if you feel a little challenged or convicted, um, I'm sorry, I apologize in advance. Uh, God's just dealing with me, and I think it's good to speak from your heart, to speak about what God is, is saying to you, and uh, so that's always been my, my custom, my habit, so that I know that uh, I'm saying what he wants me to say, not influenced by anything except just God is dealing with me, and I think that's how he speaks the most plainly. So if you'll go with me to the, to the Word of God, we'll jump in. I want to share with you this simple message as we go into this new year, walking with God walking with God. I'm going to read three uh, passages of scripture. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 to begin. Matthew 1 23. As we turn and just look back for a moment, you remember the scripture told us, we celebrated it. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. John 1, verse 14, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then Genesis, chapter 5, verse 24, Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. I think it's interesting that the first book of the New Testament tells us that God came to walk with us. And in the first book of the Old Testament, we're told that God came walking with, in the cool of the garden, that Enoch himself then in Genesis 5, the first book of the Bible, walked with God. Today I want to talk to you about the fact that God has committed to walk with us. He is Emmanuel. He is with us. The question then isn't his faithfulness. It's will we walk with God? He walks with us. Will we walk with him? And going into this new year... With each passing year and birthday, I am determined to walk by his side more than I ever have before. I made a commitment. Anyone in the room want to make a commitment? Lord, I'm not not turning back. I'm not going back. I'm I'm not looking back. I'm going to give you more of myself going into this new year than I've ever given before in my life. Amen. Well, Father, we bow our head before you and we pray that you will bless your word challenge us, change us, encourage us, strengthen us. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Jesus is indeed God with us. Literally, Jesus left heaven and came to earth. God walked with man. God lived with us. 
God became man completely from the nine-month gestation in the womb of Mary. God was completely becoming man for us through his birth, through his childhood, through teenage years. God became man into adulthood, even in death. God became man. He lived with us. He fully identified with us. That's the power of the name that we celebrated at Christmas, Emmanuel, is that God lived with us, dwelt among us, was made flesh. The theological word for that is incarnation. It is that miracle by which God came into humanity, where God became man, where God did it for us. So the incarnation itself is not just God walking with me, but it's God moving in me. It's God coming in flesh. It's God totally identifying with my sufferings, with my struggles, with my battles, with everything that it that makes us human. The Lord God Almighty, through the incarnation, became man. How awesome that is to think that God would, in His love for us, in His great grace, would become man. This descent from God into the ordinary, where God came into ordinary human flesh, fed a multitude, it it happened all through His ministry. Everything that he did through his entire ministry was God becoming man. Think about that. It was God descending. When I think about the the incarnation itself where he was born through the womb of the Virgin Mary, I see that it happened over and over in his own life. Think about this. He, He feeds a multitude and then he falls into ordinary sleep immediately following. It's God feeds a multitude, then God falls asleep like a man God raises the dead then God himself descends into ordinary death God is transfigured on the mount of transfiguration speaks with Elijah and with and and the Bible says then he descends into a valley of demon-possessed sick people to minister to them God resurrects from the grave And then he sits down and eats a meal by the seashore with with disciples. So God didn't just do it at Christmas. He didn't just do it in the manger. God was identifying with us through his entire ministry. And I've got great news for you right now, this year, going into 2024, God is still identifying with you. He understands all of your suffering, all of your pain, all of your tears, all of your struggles. Jesus Christ is in the ordinary, everyday moments of life. And he demonstrated that when he chose to dwell among us. (laughs) I mean, when he came to live in you, didn't he come to live in something very ordinary? Turn to somebody beside you and say, you're ordinary. And yet he, he comes, he chooses to dwell among us. Now, Jesus isn't just simply dwelling among us, but because of the cross, he now dwells in us. So when you give your heart to Christ, he moved into your heart, into your life, into your ordinary life. 
Jesus is in the ordinary. And I think that's significant because now that Christmas is past, we are like the... Some people go into depression after the, during the, that period between the holidays here and this time between uh, Christmas. You know, you have Thanksgiving is awesome and family gathers together, Christmas is great and everybody exchanges gifts and we celebrate Jesus coming and then we've got this week where we're waiting on the new year and we've all got to go back to work. <laughs> Isn't that great? We've got to go back to ordinary life. We have to go back to the way things were before we started celebrating, before we had a day off, before we celebrated the coming of the Lord. I think it was like that with the shepherd and the wise men. It must have really hit them hard. I mean, think about it. The, the shepherds themselves go to the, to the manger and they see, they see and hear angels they, while they're with their flocks, they come to the manger. They see the Son of God. And then Luke chapter 2 verse 20 says, And the shepherds returned. Everybody say returned. Glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen as it was told unto them. We're, that's like us. We've got to return. We have to go back. It was the same for the wise men. The Bible says that this great journey they traveled, they bring their expensive gifts, they lay them at the feet of Jesus, and then they too went back home. How do you, isn't it anticlimactic to, to see the Son of God and then have to go back to ordinary life, make a journey back home? It's like coming and seeing your family and then you've got to get back in the car and you've got to drive or go to the airport and fly back home, back to the way things were. And so they all went back, shepherds and wise men. They had to return back to their flocks, back to their job, back to their homes, back to their normal life. The Bible says in Matthew 2.12 that the wise men on their way back, they were warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. And so they departed into their own country another way. I think that's an exciting promise for us because after we celebrate Christmas and the baby in the manger, we're much the same. God takes us back a different way. I pray that you are going back and returning a different way than you entered into this season. That you've allowed God to deal with your heart and that it's not just a holiday to you, but this is about the birth of Christ and Him coming into your life and you're going to go into this new year fresh, brand new, different than you were before you celebrated. Is there anybody that can say thank God for that? And so the wise men went back and truly they must have been changed. The shepherds went back. We too returned to work, to our jobs, to our career, to our homes, to our normal life. But the good thing about the Lord is that after he came and was born of the Virgin Mary, even through his ministry, he just kept going back into the normal, the everyday and the routine and the mundane things of life. But can I tell you that the normal is where God changes you. It's where God matures you. It's where God nurtures your faith. God goes home with you. The good news is, following Christmas, is that he did not remain with Joseph and Mary in the manger. He goes home with us. He goes home with you. He goes back into your house, your ordinary house. It doesn't matter how simple your home. Jesus lives with you in your house. It doesn't matter your career or your education. Jesus lives with you, no matter your degree. 
He does not dwell with you because of your income. He does not live with you because of your personal goodness. No, Jesus responded to your repentance by walking with plain, old, ordinary you. Jesus walks with you. Following his resurrection, one of the first acts of Jesus after he rose from the dead was walking home with two disciples on their road to Emmaus. He followed them back to their house. He walked with them. He explained himself to them. He let them know why he came. And so the beauty is that even after he's resurrected from the dead, he doesn't visit kings. He just walks home with an ordinary couple on their way to the house. And then when he gets there, he goes in and sits down with them for a meal. Blesses their meal. Isn't that an exciting thing? Isn't it wonderful that Jesus is with you? So this past year, I, and looking back and thinking on this thought, I thought, man, uh, it was a difficult year for many of us. Many of us had a, some tough experiences, but is there anybody that can testify that he was with you in your home last year? He was with you. Can somebody give the Lord a great praise offering for that? Has he been faithful? Has he been faithful? Some of you have suffered great loss. Others fought against sickness or disease. I wrestled with a cerebral aneurysm for half the year. Still others have been betrayed or wounded in heart. Whatever mountain or valley that you have walked through or climbed over, can you testify that Jesus walked with you? And even if you went your own way and you ignored his presence and you disobeyed his will, is there anybody that can testify that Jesus never left you, never abandoned you, you may have gotten off the path. You may have wandered your own way. But today, you're here in the house of God determined to follow after Him. Aren't you grateful that He never abandoned you? He never walked away from you. Oh, my friends, has He rescued you from the jaws of death? He did me. Has He rescued you from hell? Has He rescued you from the grave? Has He walked you home? from a pig pen to the Father's house? Have you ever cried out like the prodigal in praise and thanksgiving that you were received into the arms of the Heavenly Father? Did you ever cry out like the psalmist when you were straying in Psalm 27 and 9? The psalmist said, Hide not your face far from me. Put not your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Only to hear him reply to you as Hebrews 13 and 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that you can boldly say the Lord has been my helper. Is there anybody in the room that can declare the Lord has been your helper? Hallelujah. I want to testify with King David. As he shared in Psalm 139, verse 8, If I ascended up into heaven, he was there. If I made my bed in hell, behold, he was there. Yes, Jesus was there. He's been with you. He is faithful. And can I say to you, he will be faithful to walk with you in this new year as well. Can you say thank you, Jesus? He'll walk with you in the days ahead.
He is faithful. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13 says, If we are faithless, He remains faithful because He cannot deny Himself. Yes, Jesus was, Jesus is, Jesus will always be faithful and true. In Revelations 19 and 11, when He comes back on a white horse... He will be riding it, and on his vesture, the words will read, faithful and true. It's who he is. It's who he's always been. Can you say thank you, Lord? That's who Jesus is, faithful and true. You can count on him. And and yet, I know that. I know it. Oh, in my heart, I long to be more faithful to him. And I know we're not saved by works. Oh, but isn't there something inside of you that just, because he's been so good to you, that just wants to go into this new year with a fresh commitment to God, saying, Lord, you've walked with me. You've walked with me through sickness. you walked with me through my sufferings. you walked with me every day of my life. you walked with you. never left me. You're faithful and true. So, oh, God... I want to walk by your side. I want, to, I want to walk hand in hand with you. Like Enoch in Genesis 5.24. I want to be able to, for my children and grandchildren to say of me, Daddy, Papa walked with God. <laughs> oh, I know he walks with me, but I, I want it to be said, I walked with him. I didn't turn. I didn't walk away when others did. I, I walked with him. I held his hand. I walked with him. I shared in his sufferings. Oh, to be able to, to have that said of you. God's desire has always been to walk with you. From the beginning, Adam and Eve, look in Genesis 3 and 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. It's amazing to me that God's desire has always been to walk with us, but rather than walk with God, sometimes we hide from his presence. We hide for different reasons. We feel unqualified sometimes because of our sin. And so we fail to walk with him, so we cover our sin with skin like they did. The skin of reason, the skin of excuse. We self-justify, but we, we cover ourselves as well. We hide from him rather than walk with him. Very often we feel unworthy because of our shame, so we keep him at a distance. Rather than walking closely to him, we, the enemy keeps us in shame or makes us feel unqualified. All of this is why Jesus came. All of this is why he came into flesh. It's, it's why he gave his life. So that he could take our shame, he could take our guilt, so that we might walk with him faithfully beside him without fear. And we hide, I I think we hide also behind excuses and behind comparison. Because very often we trust our own covering. We we settle for distance and we, we reject his grace. Because his grace says to you and I that no matter what we've done or where we've been, He loves us just the same. His grace invites us to walk with Him no matter our condition or our circumstance or what we've done. But we reject His intimacy. 
because we're trusting our own covering. We're saying, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give my life to Jesus maybe next year when I get right, when I get better, when I straighten up. <laughs> and so we, we accept our own covering, but we reject His. And that's what self-righteousness is. It's, it's not so much saying, look how holy I am as it is, but saying, look how bad I am, and so I can't come close yet until I get me right. And the truth is you can never get yourself right. You can, never, you can never pull yourself together. You need the Lord. Is there anybody in the room that can say, I need Jesus? Listen, you need him now. You needed him then. You'll always need him. You'll need him next year. And so we must draw close in spite of whatever we feel or whatever shame or whatever sin or whatever you've gone through. You've, you've got to draw close and trust his grace with intimacy. Intimacy itself is, we don't, we don't allow intimacy in our life unless we feel accepted. At least we should not. And, and I think about that with my own wife. Sometimes I've, uh, when the, in our marriage relationship, sometimes if there's been some rocky road or some uh, argument or something like that, gone through something or, or carrying heavy burdens, we, we neglect intimacy because we're just going through a tough time. At the times we need intimacy the most, sometimes we push away those that walk the closest with us. And we do the Lord like that. We reject the intimacy that His grace offers us because we just don't feel worthy. There are times I look at my incredible wife, Teresa, and I think I don't deserve such a faithful wife, such a wonderful woman in my life. And if I get caught up in that and let the adversary keep me there rather than accepting the intimacy that she offers me, then I have, I'm the one who loses. So instead, I have to come with grace and, and just say, okay, that's all. This morning, before I left the house, she, as, I'm, as I'm getting ready to leave, she comes up to me and says, let me pray for you. And there's, there's a part of me that, that just is... Uh, you know, says, no, you've got that. And then there's another part that says, no, I need that. And I draw in for that. And she prays for me, the, mo the sweetest, most wonderful prayer. She prays over my life that God would use me and help me be a blessing. And she prays, uh, just prays into my life. Man, when she was done, I felt like I could just run all the way to church. <laughs> and isn't that the way we feel with the Lord? When we go ahead and accept it, no matter what we feel about ourselves, we accept his love rather than reject his intimacy. We just are drawn closer. And then can somebody say, thank you, Lord. Only you can make everything all right. So we measure ourselves sometimes by comparison as well. We, we avoid repentance and we blame other people. We compare ourselves with them. Well, I didn't do that. And I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And, and uh, rather than pressing into intimacy with the Lord and true repentance will compare ourselves and in that way we keep him at a distance but I'm telling you he's calling you out of that today and as you go into this new year I want you to know God still desires to walk in fellowship with you I like Genesis 5:24. Enoch walked with God it says and he was not for God took him the amplified Bible says Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God that word in the original Hebrew implies that it was an ongoing, daily, all day long walk with God. And he was not, for God took him home with him, the Amplified Bible says. Do you want to walk with God? Imagine God loved that he walked with him, that 
that Enoch wanted to be with him. It meant so much to God. His desire to walk with him was so powerful that God said, you know, I can't take it anymore. I don't want to come back for a visit. I like this. It's what I've wanted with man. And he lets all of us know by, by the scripture so plain, it just says he walked with God and was not. What in the world is that? He was not. For God took him home with him. God said, you know, you're not going back to your house today. You're coming with me. I, I like this. There is, and this is the Old Testament. This is the Old Covenant. Can you imagine that? Enoch, the seventh from Adam, just seven generations from Adam, had such a living fellowship with God that God took him directly into his presence, bypassed death, and he was not. One day, Enoch is just walking with God, communing with God, and God whispers in his ear, I can take you right now without tasting death to be with me. Do you believe that? Enoch must have said, of course I do. And as the words left his mouth, he disappeared without a trace. Now, somebody had to see it happen because we have a record of it in the Bible. Maybe it was his wife. Maybe it was his children or grandchildren. Maybe it was Methuselah because one of his children, Methuselah, was alive when the flood came. Think about that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when he was born, Enoch, was, Enoch at that time was, had walked with God 300 years. <laughs> when I think about that, I, I, I realize that maybe they sent a search party out after him, like they did for Elijah, who was also caught away. But there was nobody to be found. There was no corpse to bury. Enoch was just gone. And, and so he's walking with God like that, one day at a time. In Genesis 5, verses 21 and 22, this is what's convicting to me. We learn that Enoch walked with God these 300 years because it says Enoch lived 65 years, begat Methuselah, and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years, having sons and daughters. So all this fills us in on gives us some insight into his life. There's not, this is all we have about him. But let me tell you what it does tell us. It tells us that he was 65 years old when he began his walk with God. That means you can begin today, no matter your past, no matter your age, no matter your excuses, you can walk with God. The word walked means to walk along continually, to have conversation with, and to grow as you talk. So each day you can walk with God, talking with the Lord, growing closer to Him. Each day in this new year you can walk with God and grow closer because of that relationship with Him. It also tells me it doesn't matter what's going on around you. Enoch walked with God in the midst of a world that was growing more and more ungodly. The year, as I said earlier, that Methuselah, his son, died was the year of the great flood, where the wickedness of the world had provoked God's wrath. Enoch's great-grandson, Noah, would survive the judgment of the flood. He would build an ark to the saving of his household. Your walk with God is about more than just you. It can impact your children and your children's children, even sparing them from judgment in generations to come. It also lets me know that you can walk with God 
without leaving this world. Because he walked with him for 300 years. Can somebody shout hallelujah? You might, be, you might have been thinking a moment ago, man, I'm afraid to get too close. He might just take me right out of here. But no, you can walk with him without leaving. But See, in other words, Enoch didn't run into the hills and hide out. You don't have to leave the world. He was not a rabbit hole Christian, as I always called them. You know, popping out of the rabbit hole and running from one Christian event to the other and avoiding the world. It wasn't like that. He walked with God. Even though he was an ordinary man, he had a wife. Had sons and daughters. Had a family. Had some of the same stuff you're going through. He was in the world, but not of the world. That lets me know that we must not be silent witnesses. You can go ahead and walk with God. God hasn't called you to a lifetime of silence. Now, I've got to admit that there are times when silence is the, the best words or no words. I understand that. But I also know that when it comes to the Great Commission, we've been told to go ye into all the world, not hide ye from the world. Enoch lived before the New Covenant. He lived before the cross of Calvary. He had no Bible. He had no hymn book. He was not threatened and prodded by fire and brimstone prophets. He had not experienced the Holy Spirit baptism. He was not a 21st century New Testament Christian. But he was never alone. All the time, always, constantly, consistently, he walked with God. Can somebody shout hallelujah? So throw your excuses out the window. Throw all of that out the window right now and declare with your, I've got the Holy Spirit. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. I am under a new covenant. I can walk with God. Hallelujah. Sometimes I think about it, and before we pray, I, I, I've got to say to you, I've thought about how this must have appeared, and it made me think about my own children and raising my family, and what kind of testimony am I leaving, because can you imagine what it would have been like, ladies, to be married to Enoch? Can you imagine what if this was your dad? You lived in the house and the family? There, you see... There was no visible presence to other people, yet people knew he walked with God. Imagine the reaction when Enoch walked in a room, the attitude of his wife because her husband walked with God and she knew it. Imagine the heart of his children when dad walked into the room. I, I can imagine if it was my family and I had that kind of relationship with God, I, can you imagine Robbie looking at Ricky and Rebecca, looking over at him and saying, here comes Dad. Uh-oh, straighten up, he's got God with him again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's always walking with God. It, it, it impacts me to think how we get, what kind of testimony and witness we can have on our jobs and among our family and to where they, they see us, they see God with us. Emmanuel. That he's walking with us, but we are walking with him. It lets the world know that you're not alone. It lets your family and loved ones, those that are saved and unsaved, know that you're not by yourself. 
When dad, mom shows up, God shows up. When you show up on the job, Jesus is there. Everybody around you knows it. They feel it. They sense it. You know, this year, as you all know, God miraculously healed me of a cerebral aneurysm. And I want to say thank God on the last day of the year. (laughs) Much of this year was spent dealing with various medical specialists and then finally the surgery. And God has given me life. And I intend to use my time completing my mission. So let me just share with you my heartfelt desire. I want to give you a scripture for 2024. Is that all right? Keep this down, write it down, put it in your phone, whatever you're carrying, digital device, just put this scripture down. It's it's a scripture for 2024, and it just happens to be Acts 2024. (laughs) The NIV reads this way. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. The NCV reads, I don't care about my own life. The most important thing is that I complete my mission. The work that the Lord Jesus gave me. To tell people the good news about God's grace. (laughs) Would you stand with me? We'll pray. After the wise men sowed their gifts of expensive, lavish gifts of worship to Jesus, God gave them a new dream and a brand new direction. It wasn't over for their life. Their life didn't end at the manger. They went home. They returned. After their very first Christmas experience, they went back to work, went back home. But get excited because of what Matthew 2 verse 12 says. It reads, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. So after the manger, they still had dreams. I pray you still have a dream going into this new year. That you let God give you fresh dreams, new vision for a brand new year. And not only that, but the Bible says they departed into their own country another way. Do you you realize God can give you new dreams and a new way? We sang it this morning that God will make a way. Do you believe that God will make a way for you in this new year? Can we give him a praise offering for that? So so the most important thing is, what will I do with this new year then? The new dream that God can give me, the new step, new direction. That's answered by Acts 20, 24. It's what's the most important thing to you? Because that's how I don't have time to go into it. But in my leadership teaching with pastors around the country, I... I share with you one of the most important things that you've got to do if you're going to fulfill a vision is you need to decide what is the most important thing to me, what has God called me to do. And when you make that decision, then you can say with the Apostle Paul, 
Nothing else is more important than me fulfilling the call of God on my life. And you can give yourself to it. But you have to identify purpose before you can fulfill purpose. So you, you commit to that. What's the most important thing to you? So the question for 2024 is not, will my 2024 calendar be full? But who fills it? And what is it filled with? So today, we're going to go to God about our priorities. We're going to pray this prayer, God, help me, like Paul, to see what matters most. And can I say to you, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, that matters most. You need to give your life to Him today. You don't want to leave this year and go into a new year without Him. You want to make Him Lord of your life so that He can guide your steps. He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. So you make Him Lord of everything. Give Him your life, and He promises that He will order your steps. Let's pray. Father, we bow our head and heart before You. And along with Proverbs 3 and 6, we understand that if we seek Your will in everything we do, You will show us the path to take. So God, I want to complete my mission. Deuteronomy 32, 29, you state there, Lord, that if we were wise, we would understand and consider our latter end, what, how things end up. And so I pray for everyone in this room, especially for those who may not have made a commitment to you, that today they make that commitment. If you're here today and you want to start this new year out, giving your life to Jesus totally and completely, I'm going to ask you at the count of three just to throw your hand up and say, I want to make that commitment give my life to Jesus and go into this new year with him on my life that at the count of three just throw your hand up one two three that's me I want God bless you I see those hands wonderful that's oh hallelujah praise God sir I see that I see you praise the Lord how wonderful I want to pray for those who lifted their hands want to make that commitment to the Lord I wonder how many of us in this room that right now can say I can see the need to prioritize God more in my life going into this new year and the mission He's given me to do. You can throw your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Richard. I want to I wanna commit my life to Him in a greater measure. Amen. God bless all those hands. All right, let's pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray out loud with me if you would, please. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I know you love me. I give my life to you today everything my home my family my career i give it all to you most importantly i give you my life use me for your glory for the rest of my days give me your purpose grace me to walk in that purpose i want to walk with you lord i know you walk with me Thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together and just praise the Lord? Come on, we can do better. Let's end the year with a big shout of praise and thanksgiving to God. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Now, before you get out in that big, busy parking lot, our altar ministry team are going to uh, sl slip up here. You may want prayer for something. And, and trust me, it's, you know, with second service folks coming in and y'all leaving 
you might as well just come and pray. <laughs> if you need prayer for anything, come on up. Let us pray with you. God bless you. Thank you for coming to Calvary. We love you. God bless you.